This young minister was beside himself. He'd been at the church about a year, and every Sunday the same thing happened. When it came time for the morning prayer, uh, half the, the audience would stand up and, and half would sit. And not only that, but the half that stood up would start shouting at the ones who were sitting, and the ones who were sitting would yell back at them, made quite an environment for prayer. So he didn't really know what to do. Finally, at his wit's end, he, he found the founding minister who was 99 years old, who was residing in a nursing home. And he went to see him. And he said, thanks for, for seeing me. I need to ask you something. I, did, when you were there, did this church stand during the prayer time? And he said, no. He said, well, then did the church sit during the prayer time? No. He said, how in the world can this be? Now we have complete chaos. Whenever we have the morning prayer time, half the group stands up and shouts at the other half who sits and yells back. <coughs> it's complete chaos. What can I do? He said, the old minister, ah, that was the tradition. That was the tradition. The division of churches should not be. The division of families should not be. Division between spouses should not be. When we think about the division that can happen when there should be unity, it's very important for us to, to look to God's word to see how we can bring us together when sometimes we're threatened to be divided. Perhaps today... And these words will hit close to home. Perhaps today there is division between parents and children in this place. Perhaps today there is division between husband and wife in this place. Perhaps today, I hope not, there's division between brothers and sisters in Christ today. One of the saddest chapters in all of the story is chapter 14. In chapter 14, you see the fallout from what happened when Solomon... Wise King Solomon, who started so well, uh, began to drift from his faith because of the influence of his many foreign wives. He, from a wise king, became one who overly taxed his people, who reacted harshly in his decisions, who began to worship false gods. Remember, we left you with this last week if you were here. But for us to be reminded, I want to first say this to you, that past decisions leave consequences. Past decisions leave consequences. Let's look at what happened there in 1 Kings uh, chapter 11. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenants and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tell, tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but I will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Then the Lord raised up against Solomon an adversary, Hadad the Edomite, from the royal line of Edom. 
So there's judgment there because of, of Solomon's sin, because of his sliding away from being first and most a pleaser of God. And there were consequences to be had. I, I really believe had Solomon continued to, to follow after God's heart, had Solomon continued to try to please God, then potentially this great kingdom of Israel could have stayed together. This was the glory days for Israel. Solomon, under God's direction, built the great temple. Uh, Israel was known throughout the known world. It was a preeminent nation. And yet, because of Solomon's sin, division ensued. There are adversaries to be raised up. One of them is named there, Hadad. Another will be a man named Jeroboam. But because of that, the, the, two, or the two southern kings or tribes became Judah. And the ten northern tribes became Israel. You see it on a map there. If you look, you see how the, the kingdom was divided from after the time of Solomon until ultimately they were destructed. Uh, destroyed. They were destroyed because the people continued this pattern. They continued to have times of faith. But more often than not, there would be times of wandering, uh, times of chasing after false gods. And ultimately, both Israel in the north and Judah in the south were destroyed, leading to a time of exile. So it's a, a story that we can see has consequences, and we can bring it to the present day and see the same thing. If we seek to follow after God, if we seek to please God, I think God brings blessings. He brings unity in us as we join together with others within the church. As in a family, it becomes our goal to mutually please God. Then God can bring unity. He can bring positive consequences. But if one of us or some of us decide to go our own way, decide to do our own thing, then just like this, Negative consequences did that happen. What, what happened? Well, Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. And he planned for Rehoboam to follow after him and, and be the king when he was gone. And Solomon, like all people do, he died. And before that, though, God had said to him that I want a man named Jeroboam, who one of his associates, as it prophesied there. Jeroboam, and I apologize, their names are so similar. If you... Been like me, I've been going all week now. Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. Rehoboam is his son. God says, I want Jeroboam to be the king. Now, Solomon, in this decreased state of, of spiritual understanding and, and uh, certainty, he, he rebels against God. He tries to kill Jeroboam, he seeks his destruction, he sends his soldiers after him. Uh, Jeroboam flees. And when Solomon passes away, Rehoboam ascends to the king, the kingdom. And Jeroboam comes back. He's been in exile. He comes back. And, and so now we have a time where decisions need to be made in the present. Past decisions leave consequences. And frankly, today you can't change the past. But uh, we can learn from the past and 
hopefully understand that present decisions need wise, wise counsel. Present decisions need wise counsel. There's a, a period of time here where the division actually could have been mended. Let's look at it. First Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. Now remember Rehoboam, Solomon's son. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he'd fled from King Solomon. Jeroboam was the guy that God said would be king. Man, Solomon, wanted his son, Rehoboam, to be king. God wanted Jeroboam to be king. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, so they had this, this great powwow, your father put a heavy yoke on us. Now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Basically, Jeroboam's saying, your dad's gone, but if we can have some, some easing of the many taxes and the, the requirements for manual labor, if we can have some easing of that, then we can come back together. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Pretty wise advice. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker. This is biblical trash talk. My, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Oh, what great customer service that is. Can you imagine? The young guys, now listen, this is not an anti-young people sermon, okay? But let me say to you, as something I learned through my years of growing up, that there are just some things that books can't teach you. There are just some things when you are younger you, ha you don't have the capacity to understand. And here is a great example. In this case, he has advice from his father's uh, servants, the elders. And they say, basically, let's, let's, have, uh, let's meet in the middle. Let's, let's understand. Let's come back together. And the young guys say, listen, to get respect... You gotta make. You gotta put your foot down. You gotta show your authority. You gotta put and bring these demands upon the people. So what happens? Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, "Come back to me in three days." And he lays out for them the decision he made based on the young guys giving him advice. And what do you think happens? Jeroboam takes his ten tribes. And the division is made permanent, Israel and Judah. That which was once a glorious nation, that which once was a place that was a great testimony to the one true God, was now divided in two. In the New Testament, it tells us that a house divided against itself 
cannot stand. We have choices to make. Are we going to protect our pride? Are we going to protect our wanting to be right? Our wanting to be respected? Or are we going to seek wise counsel? Thankfully, I can give you some advice on seeking wise counsel. If there's division in your household, if there's division in our body, or in a small group, or in any human organization, particularly when all are seeking to please Christ, there is some advice that I can lay for you. First, look to God's Word. It's not a surprise, but so oftentimes it it strikes me how uh, when we're in that moment of rebellion, we think, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to listen to the ultimate truth. I don't want to listen to God's Word. God's Word still has great power. It says of itself, it is like a sharp two-edged sword. It divides, it cleaves truth from untruth. Uh, Scripture says uh, that it is our light for living. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my my feet, a light on my path. I love having a cell phone now, not for the talking part, not for the texting part, but when I walk through the church at night, I have a flashlight. How many of you appreciate your cell phone for a flashlight? And, uh, no more do I have to get bruises on my shins running into the chairs here in the middle of the night, uh, but I have that, that light. This scripture says that God gives us a light, a, a practical guide for making decisions, for helping us to understand uh, what it is to do. Now, I will say clearly, I don't think Scripture anticipates every possible issue that could divide you uh, within your family or within the church. It doesn't give us, uh, you know, I've often wished that God would send me a telegram sometimes to help me make decisions. He doesn't give us all the clear-cut answers. Every issue is not addressed. Uh, There are a lot of black and white issues in Scripture, but some are just not touched. But it still gives us, I think, principles for inference. And primarily, I want you to understand uh, that God has always been about peace, if he can have it. Now, it's not peace at the cost of compromise. It's not peace at the cost of uh, letting somebody... Uh, be uh, ungodly, letting somebody be uh, hateful or divisive toward God, toward his people. Uh, But if you can work out a a place in the middle, uh, Scripture always tells us to seek uh, peace. In Ephesians it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God's Word has multiple, all throughout it, advice on how to to make our decisions on how to bring together our families and our churches instead of driving them apart. And God's Word is a light and a lamp for us. Look to God's Word if you need wise counsel for present decisions. Look to God's Word even if you don't right now, because that will give and will build in you a preventative
a framework for when you do have to make those decisions, you'll be ready. Second, pray for God's wisdom. You pray for God's wisdom. As we talked about last week, wisdom is knowledge. It's the knowledge that Scripture gives you, and then being able to apply it, being able to put it into practice, being able to help it uh, inform your decisions as you actually make them. Pray for God's wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. <laughs> My dad uh, had a good laugh this week with me on the phone, because uh, I told him what Beth told me a couple weeks ago. Uh, my dad has been one, we, we actually called him Reverend Bob when I was growing up, when he was a postman all of his life. But when we'd gather around the table, my dad would pontificate. My, and my dad had these sayings, kind of like the Bible of Reverend Bob's sayings. And he would lay those on us, and I will, I will hear those in my head till I die. And he would give us these sayings. And, and so Beth said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know what? I figured out your dad, actually, all of those sayings, those sayings of Reverend Bob come from the Bible some way. They might be paraphrased, but they're all from Scripture. I said, yeah, that's, and so I told my dad this week, he, he started laughing. He, he, because my dad never went to college. Uh, my dad uh, graduated from high school when he was 16. He went immediately into the Navy. Uh, because he grew up very poor, and uh, he didn't have the formal schooling, uh, but he always had an appreciation for the words of God. And even more, if a person seeks God's wisdom, if a person seeks and gets to that point where they know they don't have all the answers and that they need divine help, divine guidance, divine intervention, then they're in a place where God can use them and God can bring good decisions to bear through them. If you want wisdom, if you pray for it, God answers those prayers. God will help you in having the ability to make those wise decisions, no matter how much education formal that you have. And no matter even how much experience. You see, one of the reasons I, I'm not preaching against young people is I think it's possible for young people to have great wisdom. But it means seeking, I think, the counsel of God's word. It means seeking the supernatural guidance from God through prayer. Third, seek advice from godly people. Seek advice from godly people. Now, these are not revolutionary, but what I want, to, I want to make sure you hear me saying is this. It is vital for us to apply these three mandates in our lives if we want to have unity within our family units. If we want to have unity in our marriage, if we want to have unity in our family, unity in our churches, it's vital for us to make these three things happen. We saw here in the story. Rehoboam sought advice from the elders, and then he rejected it. And then he sought advice from not-so-wise people. And he took that, and it led to great peril. Uh, ultimately, a greatly negative future. In Scripture, Proverbs fifteen twenty-two says this, 
Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's important for us, I think, to have around us uh, people that we can know, have a, a heart for God, people that want to please God, people who do these things themselves, that know God's word and pray for wisdom, that we can come upon and, and ask for advice in our own life. Uh, here, Rehoboam takes that first step, but then he rejects the advice. My suggestion is to seek that counsel and then carefully consider it as you're making decisions. So what is the purpose? What is ultimately we can learn from here? You see, Jeroboam is approved and he is picked out by God to be the succeeding king. Rehoboam, because of his rebellion, he has, and because of his, ultimately his dad's rebellion, he still has his two tribes to the south in Judah. Jeroboam has his ten in the north. And Jeroboam can make a choice as these kings divided, uh, they could have succeeded had they put God first, but, but we see that unhappy. We've already seen Rehoboam's desire, his selfish uh, giving in to what he wants and the negative consequences that brings. Here we're going to see Jeroboam. Now, what I want to leave you with is this future decisions should seek unity. Future decisions should seek unity in your life, in Rehoboam's life and Jeroboam's life, their future decisions should have sought unity, but the very opposite happened. The decision time is still there for you. The, that time, as you look into the future, you will have these challenges, forks in the road where you can choose to seek what you want, what you desire, or you can choose to seek to, to prize unity. Here in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26, we see how Jeroboam reacts. Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will likely now revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now, a couple things. I showed you the map. Israel, the ten tribes were to the north. Judah was to the south. And it says, go up. Don't you hate it when people say to you, uh, I'm going to uh, go up. I'm going to go up to New Orleans. No, you go down. You look at the map. You go down to New Orleans. But he literally, he's right here. From Israel to Jerusalem, geographically, you go up into the mountains. Even though you're going south, you go up. So we're going to go up <coughs> to, the, to this place. And what he's saying is the tradition has been for people to go worship at the temple in Jerusalem. So all of my ten tribes... They still need to go worship at the temple. Then Rehoboam's going to have his, his people influencing them to come back and be a part of us. But I've got a plan, basically, he says. Rehoboam, king of Judah, they will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking device, the king Jeroboam made two golden calves. He said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel, and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. In other words, he gives them an alternative, a substitute worship system. Completely against the teaching of God's law. Completely setting up idols for the people to worship. Because of that, God is not happy 
of 1 Kings chapter 14. I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. In other words, Jeroboam was his ordained king. But you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You have aroused my anger and turned your back on me. Jeroboam would be judged. Jeroboam's people would be judged for that king's leadership. Instead of seeking unity, they wanted to build up their own kingdoms, did Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And because of that, because they chose not to seek the unity that God desires, ultimately the nations would be destroyed. There is a bright spot. If you look down a bit, 1 Kings chapter 15, we meet a man named Asa. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord his father David had done. It's Rehoboam's grandson, Solomon's great-grandson. Although he did not remove the high places, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. You see a great dividing line there, don't you? In the actions, in the decisions of Jeroboam and Rehoboam and Asa, their descendant. Basically, Jeroboam and Rehoboam decided their own way was best. Asa did what was right. He was fully committed. It's not easy to have a united family. It's not easy to have a united church. Friends, we have before us uh, decisions to make as we think about growing for the future here at Northside. I want to assure you, as our elders lead us through this time, that the elders' process has always been the same. That we meet together and pray and, and talk about things. And then we decide as a consensus. In other words, there's no voting. There's no four to two votes when the elders make decisions for our church. It is all of us coming to one mind. And by the way, I'm not an elder. I meet with them, but I'm not an elder. We meet together and decide by consensus. We seek advice from God's word. We seek wisdom from God. If necessary, if we have people we can talk, we seek advice from godly counsel. So it is, as we go forward in the future here at our church, we're going to seek advice from God's word. We're going to seek wisdom from God, and we're going to seek to do that together. We're going to seek to, to all pull together in that. So it is and can be in our families. The scripture says that uh, the husband is the head of the family. I believe that is still true. But a wise husband is going to listen to, a wise husband is going to know his wife's heart. He's going to know his family's heart. If in our family, it's always been the case that I seek to hear from everybody, and we try to make the decision together. Ultimately, if it's tied, then I make that decision, but very seldom has that happened. I think unity can happen in every one of our households. Unity can happen in every one of our marriages if we follow 
these guidelines. My hope is that we choose unity. If it becomes prized, then it becomes a possibility. I wonder today, do we more greatly value our will and our identity? Or do we more greatly value unity and melding our identity into God's identity? So this day, unity or division, that's what we think about. Fathers, we pray, uh, thank you for speaking here today. Words maybe that are hard to hear, but words we need to hear. Particularly if we're in those times of division. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Not easy to be a uniter. In many ways, it's a lot easier to be a divider. I pray today, Father, that you've spoken to us. We hear you. And not only do we hear you, but we'll put your words, we'll put your will into action. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.